Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile presented by Standing Stone Supply. My guest this month is Isaac Mullen. Isaac, how you doing today, man? Great, yourself? Uh, living the dream as always. I can't complain. Uh, go ahead and uh, start off with the obvious. Tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dogs you run. Sure, I'm calling from Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, so southeast corner of the state, most famous for Mayo Clinic. And I have um, a German short hair pointer. All right. How old is he? Or her, I guess. You five, yeah, five months. Just a little puppy. So you're brand new to this world. Is this your first one? No, I actually had an 11-year-old GSP and put him down last July. Oh, that sucks. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, dog handlers, it is what it is. Yep. Um, this second pup, we got him from the same breeder, uh, different bloodlines. Um, but that, that first, uh, German short hair, um, wonderful animal, wonderful dog, uh, tons of great memories with him and, uh, was really pleased with him. So that's why we went back to the breeder for our, our current pup. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the 11 year old we put down, he was living a very high quality life, um, hunted with him the prior fall. Uh, you know, he was slowing down, he was 11, but that was to be expected, but still very active. And then over the course of three days, he just got really sick, hmm. um, highly suspect a bowel obstruction and, uh, you know, made the choice to, um, euthanize him and, um, Oh, gut wrenching. But yeah. like I said, no regrets. Uh, such a great dog. It's, I mean, it's easily, I, I don't think anybody would even pretend to debate this. It is easily the worst part about what it is that we do with these dogs is it's like, it's, it's always too early. I mean, I've had, you know, I, I recently had to put down my old coonhound uh, a year or two ago and he got up to 15 and it, which was an extraordinary long life for a red bone coonhound. But Still, even after 15 years, it's just like, man, it's it's too soon. It's it's always too soon when it comes to that. Yeah. 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 So tell me, what was it about the, the first 
one, your, your boy that made you want to go back to the breeder. Which breeder is it? Is he up in Minnesota with you? Yeah, so actually Pointers of the Valley out of uh, Rock Valley, Iowa. They're um, northwest corner of the state. And, um, you know, oh, man, I guess it's almost 12 years ago now um, that I was th- almost 13 because I was shopping around. Um, at the time, I lived out in Colorado Um was getting into big game hunting, you know, bow hunting for elk, lots of trout fishing, doing some predator hunting, uh, mountain biking, and I wanted a trail buddy. And so blue healers are a dime a dozen out there. So I was probably going to pick one of those up. Um, and then my wife and I were going to make a move back to Minnesota. And all of a sudden she's like, well, here, I want you to get this dog because it looks really pretty. <laughs> and Go I figure. was like, uh, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll consider. So then I, I just dove into the breed and was like, Hmm, okay. Like this dog can, you know, high, high energy levels, um, you know, athletic, strong, healthy. And then we're moving back to Minnesota. So now we're in, um, good waterfowl and upland bird country. And, uh, you know, the breeder fit us and what we were looking for in a dog and, uh, went with it. Yeah. So did you do any small game or wing shooting prior to moving back to Minnesota or did the dog kind of push you into that? You said that you're getting into the big game and the, and the biking and trailing and hiking and stuff, but did you ever fool around with yeah. any upland hunting before getting the dog? I, I did going back to middle school, high school and college. I did all three of those in Minnesota and, um, <clears throat> did some upland did some water following. Um, I'll never forget my first pheasant hunt out in Mott, North Dakota and got a hunt with a German wire hare and, um, fantastic watching that dog work. I uh, was very enthralled. I always loved dogs, grew up with dogs. Um, not necessarily bird dogs, but, um, yeah, that was, that was my first pheasant hunt, dropped a big rooster at the end of a drive. Uh, it was very exciting. Um, and then, you know, didn't do any bird hunting out in Colorado. But once we moved back to Minnesota, then, you know, got the GSP pup, uh, got back into primarily pheasant hunting okay. with him. All right. So you you yeah. didn't really get bit by the rough grouse or woodcock bug up, uh, I guess it's a little further north from you, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, we, we did a little bit of like a mixed bag. Like there was one day where I was hunting with my brother-in-law. And we got a pheasant, a woodcock, and a grouse all in the same walk. That's cool. And yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah, um, <laughs> I bet. And and I I think I definitely underutilized um, hunting grouse with our last dog, and that's one of my goals with this current pup is to put him on more um, rough grouse. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's especially when you live in a place like Minnesota, it'd be kind of a, a crime not to, right? I mean, I know, I know that in yeah. southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, that's kind of, that's pheasant country, but you kind of get up into central and northern Minnesota uh, that obviously, you know, the grouse is king. Uh, I know people call grouse king everywhere, but that's really kind of what central to northern Minnesota really reflects. Yeah. Yeah. And we, so we'll definitely do some Minnesota grouse hunting. I've got a trip, um, on the books here to Wisconsin with some family members and a friend. Um, so hopefully we'll get in some grouse there 
and uh, looking forward to that yeah, adventure. Cool. Well, tell me what it was like moving back to Minnesota. You're obviously in bird country. It gets you gets you interested in pursuing birds and and more particularly pheasant. What was it like kind of piecing it together on how you wanted to train your dog? Because like you said, you're just kind of looking for a trail companion, and now all of a sudden we're training an actual gun dog and (laughs) trying to chase these crazy feathered things out there. So what was it like kind of wrapping your head around that journey? Chaos. (laughs) Control chaos or just chaos in the true sense of the definition? Oh, uh, just chaos. I I mean, there's. I'd like to claim that it was controlled, but um, I – that's not, uh, that would be a disingenuous. <laughs> right, right. So what was so it like I, getting it, getting it wrapped around, you know, what was so chaotic yeah. about it? And is it, was it chaotic all the way through? Yeah, I, um, I dove into books. Um, YouTube, you know, had a few things out there. There's a, a kennel and breeder, um, it's named Chad Hines, Willow Creek Kennels, Little Falls, Minnesota. He had put out some of the first upland pointing uh, dog videos that I could find for training. So I was looking, but really yeah. couldn't find anything. And then, um, uh, dove into books. Um, one of the, one of my favorite books is, uh, monks of new Ski. And, um, I haven't heard of they, that. One. Uh, yeah. So they're out on the, they're out on the East coast. They're monks. They live on a monastery, but they raise, they breed and train, uh, German shepherds. Okay. As a way to make their income. And their training program has been wildly successful and popular. And so they wrote a couple books. One of them is How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And um, I've read that book cover to cover a few times and recommended it to people as a training resource, whether they're going to um, hunt their dog or not, because it's such a good um, common sense approach to dog training um, that it, I read it and I, I, it made sense. And, you know, they, they talk a lot about how dogs communicate and what are you communicating to them? So they talk about, um, you know, the dog's body language, but then what's your body language communicating and, uh, you know, just consistency, repetition, um, just all the foundational stuff that, you know, in my opinion, every dog needs. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so that was one of the books I, I got my hands on. Um, there was one specific dog training book that, that was specific to upland pointing pointing dogs and i think it was gun dog training by walters Hulk. richard walters probably no it started with an f an i've f. got it up in my attic i think okay. it was falk yeah sometimes you'll see it like tied with um maybe in, like an orvis shop or something like that you'll I see it around you. but it's old i mean it's like 1950s 1960s photographs um and and it's okay yeah. But it it's uh it's you know it's just a book. I mean if if uh, a picture's worth a thousand words, videos are worth a million. <laughs> right. And um well and that's that's the so, thing about books. I get asked all the time about, you know, books on training and I, I just tell everyone I'm like read all of them because there's so many common yeah. things that stretch across them. And then there's a ton of contradictory things across them and and so, you know, really it's just, you gotta, you need to be a sponge. You need to read and learn and listen and watch as much stuff as you can. If you're truly trying to figure it out, that that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, I, I did. I read a lot of books. Um, you know, I grew up on field and stream and outdoor life magazines. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those were becoming more ads and uh, less pictures, you know, magazines were kind of phasing out. 
Um, uh, yeah, so just try to get my hands on some of those resources. And then um, I, I was able to buy um, some chucker. My brother-in-law um, has some property up north uh, that we'll, we'll hunt whitetail together and we'll do some pheasant and grouse hunting there too. And, uh, so we planted some chucker out in the field and that's how we did his bird intro and gun intro. And, uh, you know, had, had read about like what to do with a planted bird and man, this for this, this, uh, this poor chucker, the first <laughs> one we planted, I pulled out all his primary flight feathers on both wings, Oh God! stuck them in a sack and swung him. And then even like tucked his head underneath his wing and then stuck him in the biggest clump, clump of grass I could find and uh, went back, got the dog. He came up, found the scent right away. Nice staunch point. And then I went in to kick this bird up to fly. And <laughs> I could have swatted him out of the air with my hand. Right. He just had, he had no capacity. He was so confused and bewildered. Um, so that was, that was uh, the, the, bird and, and gun intro, um, with our, our first dog. And, um, you know, gun trip, gun intro was pretty basic. Um, had my brother-in-law stand probably a hundred yards away and fired a shot in the air and there was no change of behavior in the dog. So I was like, okay, move up half the distance. Yep. And then again, uh, no change of behavior. And, um, I mean, this is, you know, two or three chucker into it. And, and that dog is just sal salivating. Yeah. I mean, he is, so high on birds and then uh you know got in and did a, a more um you know like typical hunting scenario where it was plan a bird point walk in flush it shoot it and you know he had a very strong natural retrieve but that was you know his first hunting season and i'm sure he paraded around with it for a few minutes and yeah. finally got it to hand yeah but which is perfectly fine especially in their first year right you know the the first year it's like go hunting and we'll, we'll figure that out later. I mean, obviously you're not encouraging bad habits, but if that's what is naturally presented to you, you know, you can, you can start molding it a little bit there, but for the most part, you're just focused on go find birds, establish point, let me go flush it and we'll, we'll clean up the retrieve or at least the handoff later. Yeah. I think ideally, um, that would happen. I mean, I made so <laughs> many mistakes with, with him and I just didn't know, Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where I was trying my best but there was uh, a ton that I just didn't know that I didn't even know of, you know? And, um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I, I, I zapped him on an electronic collar when he was chasing birds mm. and he just had so much prey drive that he overcame it. And all these flaws that I had as a trainer and handling him, um, that helped out a lot. And, you know, uh, Nolan, that first GSP was way too much horsepower for me. But, um, you know, I didn't know it was just the dog I got and, uh, it was what yeah. I was working with. And looking back on it, hindsight, it was like, if, if that dog had been in the hands of a talented trainer, I mean, who knows what they could have done with yeah. him. Um, and, and, you know, all that to say, like, uh, I think it's easy to maybe discount, um, you know, what we have as, you know, amateur trainers or, you know, we're just, you know, GDIY trainers, um, because we'll make mistakes and we're inefficient, but at the same time, I, I don't know if we give ourselves enough credit that, um, you know, we have a lot of time, uh, and we do have, we can establish a very close bond with our dogs. 
And we don't have the pressure of clients waiting on us for a dog to get finished and sent back home or a kennel full of dogs waiting to get run. Like I can take my pup for a, you know, hour walk out on, you know, a hundred acres that are across the street that I know has pheasants on. And, um, we're just going for puppy walks yeah. and enjoying it and having fun. So, now, I mean, that's, that is a very good point to where you, you can dictate the pace and, and, what you said about, you know, what the dog could have been in the hands of somebody that has experience or knowledge, you know, I, I could make the point that even if the first dog for somebody turned out amazing, what it could have been with a more experienced person, you know, I think that's true for everybody's first dog. And, and that's really all we're doing is learning as we go. You know, you, you can't soak up the knowledge. You can read all the books, you can listen to the podcast, you can watch all the YouTube videos, but applying it in the field is is completely different than than soaking up all the knowledge. You really have to go put your hands on a dog and see it just unravel in front of you and learn some of those hard lessons. I mean, uh, all these mistakes and, and learning curves that you're putting out there, I guarantee you people listening to this been like, yeah, been there, done that. You know, I used to not know how oh, to yeah. plant a bird. Oh, yeah, you know, I used to make dumb mistake after dumb mistake and and particularly like high drive dogs can afford you a certain level of mistake like that uh but it's it, it's I'll, say, I'll save my big mistake for the end okay I, <laughs> it, man it's it, it's just fascinating to me it's just like you know some so many people get into this and they're like man i made a mistake i'm like yeah we all do like let's just drive on yeah. let's let's try and do it better i mean it's you know i'm I'm a handful of dogs in or really just three on the bird dog side and I'm making mistakes every single day too. But you know what? The next dog, I'm going to be even better. And the one after that and the one after that. And and all pro trainers did it the same exact way too. They sucked right out of the gate as well. It, they'll tell you it took a thousand dogs or whatever for them to actually become proficient at this dog training thing. And I, t I get to talk to dog trainers all the time to where they're still having questions pop up and they kind of communicate and ask each other and bounce ideas off of to where it's just like the people that are truly after the information, they're, they're in it for the long haul, man. You're never, you're never quote unquote finished as we like to describe our dogs sometimes. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it, it is fun to, to be a sponge and soak up all this information and, uh, you know, in the year's time where my first dog passed and then we got this pup, you know, in that gap, I think it was just a way for me to grieve losing that dog. I just did this deep dive and listened to all the podcasts and read books. And I mean, I was reading, you know, like Mike Ritland books and, yeah. you know, if, if they were training dogs, I wanted to read it. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's plenty of episodes on your podcast that have um, branched out from just um, pointing dogs and upland dogs into, um, you know, dog behavior and, um, you know, using dogs for other purposes. And, uh, it, it's, it's fun to, um, learn and then go apply. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going to have failures. We're going to have successes. And, uh, that's just part of the journey and the roller coaster and the fun of it, I suppose. Right. And, and it makes it more rewarding when you finally get the results after doing all the due diligence like that right there. Oh, my goodness. You, you earn that knowledge, man. You earn that that path. So like by the when you're standing at the end of it and you're watching this dog, this, this just monster on on birds out there, you're like, 
man, this is pretty sweet. And, and we did this together, right? Like it's just, yeah, you didn't, you didn't ship it off and not that there's anything wrong with that. Everybody has no, their challenges in life. I wouldn't life. fault anybody. Yeah. It's, you know, do what you got to do to, to set that dog up for success. But it is a very rewarding experience that I wish that, that everybody gets to share. Like, I wish you could bottle it up and sell it and then people will be like, oh man, it is worth the effort to learn all this stuff. Yeah, I have one moment captured in my mind's eye for the rest of my life where um, Nolan, my first DSP, was probably five or six years old. Uh, so, you know, we'd kind of settled into a little bit. He'd had plenty of birds shot over him, but I had gone on a trip out to North Dakota, uh, was by myself, so it was just me and the dog, I did some e-scouting, found a piece of public land, um, did some driving and, you know, looked at like, oh, this is, this looks good. This is good habitat. So pulled over and in the first 10 minutes of walking that had a, uh, Nolan was getting really birdie and, uh, you know, so that change of behavior out in the field. And so I'm getting excited. And then, um, it was just textbook. It was dogs birdie goes on point bird flushes naturally dropped it with one shot and then just a beautiful retrieve to hand. And I mean, you know, like I'm out in the field alone, but I'm hooting and hollering. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was just like, that's a wrap boys. That was perfect. And the trip, um, even though that was just the first bird of the trip and, you know, a 12 hour drive, but you're, you're not, that was, there's certain things I I had a a recent experience like that in Arizona to kind of close that out to where it's just like stuff like that happens in front of you with your dog. And it's like, you know what, that that's the moment I was chasing. We're not topping it. You know, it's, can we keep going? Sure. But you're not topping it. So yeah, what did you just pack up and and go, go back home after that? It sounded like you said, we're not topping it. So (laughs) if that, did you stay out there chasing them or was that just kind of the end of the hunt for you? No, I mean, I could have, it would have been a sweet, sweet ending, but, um, that was, that was the trip to go hunt with the college buddy. Okay. And so we actually had a couple more days of really good hunting together. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So, I mean, what was it, you you said that there was another big mistake, you know, I got to hear this mistake. We asked the Mm -hmm. same thing on every podcast. You've already given us a couple, but you, you, you tease that there's a bigger one. So I want to hear what this big learning curve mistake was. I think it was the lack of steadiness in Nolan. So he had a, he had a very high prey drive. Um, he was very independent. He would range out really far. And I was bewildered, uh, at about how to control that, manage that, mold it, shape it. He was just a a Ferrari, you know, and, and I, I had no idea. I'm like, Oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, how can I set up a controlled, training situation to help help mold this um just didn't have the tools to do it so you know like for example in north dakota um, a lot of times they'll have windrows of trees um so it'll just be a single row of trees and it'll go for you know 400 yards or 800 yards and then they'll plant uh, maybe like hay in the in between so it's just this natural windbreak and then and then they'll have um you know, like a quarter, like a quarter mile, like 400 yards wide of, of hay in there. And then another tree row. Well, pheasants love those tree rows. And we'd put him down on that field and he would burn down that tree row. 
and and you knew he was pushing birds like he was on them and you know so i'd hit him with the collar the electronic collar and i'd yell and i'd whistle and this dog that had great manners in my backyard who would who would come back every time you know if you put him on running pheasants it's like oh hope you got somebody a mile down the road to block (laughs) because you're not going to keep up with them and so my buddy and i we would shotguns in hand we were sprinting down this tree row through the field to try and keep up with them and maybe you know maybe <laughs> once in a while you'd get you'd catch him and maybe that bird would hold tight or something flushed wild or flush behind you and then you try and take a shot and you're exhausted because you just <laughs> sprinted 200 yards and then you get to the end of the tree row and the you know the dogs there and the birds are all gone because they flushed out because they came to a natural break you know like a gravel road or something and then he just lays on the ground happy as could be exhausted and you know like i be honest with you i'd want to walk up and just shoot him like just so frustrated like throw a slug in my gun and one round of the head you know just so upset and mad and uh and you know all the while it's like well that's my fault you know it's not the dog's fault like the dog's doing what he's bred to do and i i didn't have the tools or the knowledge to do anything about it um and and the things i did have and did try obviously didn't work and uh so, so that'll be a goal for us with this next pup is that, you know, this fall I'll hunt him. We'll do his, uh, he's had a little bit of water intro, a little bit of bird intro. We'll do his gun intro here. And then, um, you know, his puppy season, he can do no wrong. Yeah. And then, uh, coming around a year from now, we'll, we'll I'll try and get him steady to shot. That's my goal. And then put him through force fetch. So really looking forward to to those two um goals yeah. and and going through both of those with the dog yeah no it sounds cool man it's like you just said you you have it all road mapped out you got a plan and and obviously anything can happen a- along the way that you can kind of steer course if you need to but uh yeah. that's a, that's an important lesson man you know so many people they have these grand dreams of letting your dog out and just thinking that they're going to they're going to find a bird and, and hold point. And then, you know, especially pheasants, that that's tough on a lot of dogs, even some experienced dogs that haven't been on them before to where you get them running through, you know, a windbreak like you're describing or the cattail sloughs, especially it, it can be, oh, yeah. it can be hell on a, on a young dog, especially, you know, I know plenty of people, the more I, I talk to, to where they say that they don't even put puppies in their first season on pheasants because it can teach some bad habits. Right. And uh, I, I don't know where I, I particularly fall on that. I think that's probably a, a dog by dog or case by case basis. But that's uh, th- that's a very common thing to where you know you and your buddy are getting a workout in, just trying to keep up with your dog. <laughs> oh, it was a track workout, is what it was. <laughs> you come home, sure. you're tired. The dog's still ramped up, and you and your buddy come home, and your wife's looking at you like, "Who who did all the work now?" <laughs> Oh yeah. That's, that's where, uh, mountain biking with the dog and then skajoring with the dog came in There you go. on, you know, back home on a regular basis. Those were two great forms of exercise for us. Yeah. So skajoring, describe that. That's something that I haven't really talked about. If I remember at all on the podcast, that's something I've never done. So like describe a, yeah. a skajoring session or your gear setup, you know, what's that like? getting some uh conditioning in during the obviously snow winter months and all that fun stuff 
Yep. So we would go on a three mile run. We'd come back and I would be tired and the dogs raring to go. So uh, one day jumped on the bicycle, threw him on his flat collar and just a six foot leash. And he wanted to pull. And so I'm just coasting and like, Oh, this is brilliant. So got a sled dog harness. Um, and you can just Google Skajor equipment and how to Skajor tons of YouTube videos out there. It's fantastic. Um, there's a learning curve to it for sure. Yeah. You need some commands like left, right, you know, whoa. Um, but yeah, the dog to boil it down, the dog's in a sled harness. He's connected to you by a tug line. You're on your cross country skis and you go. And, uh, um, ton of fun, obviously Minnesota, long winters, plenty of snow. And then, um, you know, in in the summer months, um, you know, you got to play the weather, um, and, and try and get out when it's cool. But, uh, him taking that same setup, the sled dog harness, a tug line, and then I, I made a little handle out of PVC, um, almost like holding onto a water ski rope and, uh, you know, hang on to a handlebar with one hand and hang on to that tug line with the other and let that dog uh, pull me in the harness. And let me tell you, you could get two things out. You could get a shotgun out or that sled dog harness, and my dog went nuts. He knew it was time to go. <laughs> he loved it. It was time to work. Yeah. Oh, he did. He just, yeah, he lived for that. About how far would you go on a typical session? Um. You know, we would we would do like a 5K. That was pretty easy to to accomplish. And, you know, uh, when we first got him, before we had kids, when the dog was two and three years old, he had some serious shoulders on him. I didn't track our mileage per week, but we were going out every day and super muscular, super fit. And then when it came to hunting season, that guy was ready. And obviously, I told the story about, <laughs> you know, sprinting across yeah. the plains of North Dakota. Um yeah, he could hunt. Yeah, for I was about sure. to say you just get him in the best shape of his life so that you can go chase after him chasing pheasants. <laughs> he was. He was, but loved loved every minute of it. it That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, circling back to to back when you were kind of downloading and researching all the information to to better prepare for the second one, uh, you mentioned listening to the podcast. Another question that I ask everybody on these profiles are what are some of the main standout episodes for you that, or guests or topics that you found useful or valuable as you're kind of going through them? Um, that's a long list. You've done a really great job of, of putting out some quality material. And uh, I really appreciate the variety that you offer and um, the, the experts that you interview, you know, cause right now you're talking to a guy who's, who's got, one 11 year old dog behind him and then a five month old puppy. Yeah. So to be able to listen to train. And so that's the thing is like, well, amateur trainers, we've got a lot going for us too, but professional trainers who've seen hundreds, if not thousands of dogs, and then have some formal education is, is really invaluable. Um, so there was like, uh, episode one Oh one with Invictus canine. Oh yeah. And I think I think they were sending like scent dogs over for tracking poachers in Africa. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It, perfect time. And, and uh, I, I literally just got off the phone with Jay a little bit ago because he's he's still doing the not to cut you off, but he's still doing the tracking stuff with poachers over in Africa. And dude, he's just he is such a fun dude. And so that there's some cool stuff that me and him are trying to kind of work out and, and come up with for you know, something much later down the road, but it's, it's awesome. That's one of my favorite episodes was, was that Invictus K9 episode with it. Like to me, there's so much knowledge in that episode. Oh man, it was great. I mean, is that, uh, is Jay the one who has the South African Dutch accent? Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of cool to listen to him talk. Anyways, oh, and he's got the personality for it too, man. He's he's a trip, dude. I, I had a an, a bonus episode on Patreon for a while called War Stories of him just telling these crazy poacher stories. It's no longer up there. Like I guess the link timed out, and and it sucks because that was one of the coolest things that I've recorded in years. Uh, but anyway, not to cut you off, but it was just funny. It's just like well, I was just talking to him a, an hour ago. I'll, I'll make a shameless plug for people to become uh, patrons of yours and the, and the podcast because um, True Confession, I just signed up as a patron Yeah. Uh, because I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to actually be interviewed by this guy. I'm going like, <laughs> to support him. And then I watched your video that you had put up about your steadiness assessment with Lucy, and I was like, man, that was gold. <laughs> so if, if you're a fan of the podcast, uh yeah be a patron and and there's some there's some gold nuggets dude i I appreciate that that. i I appreciate that man it's uh i threw that up there as just kind of a testing thing like do people actually want to see this is there value to it and and i'm still trying to capture other stuff but you know that's something to for whatever reason kind of hit home with a few patrons on that is just me just showing a a training session with lucy and just kind of how it looked like on my end I think it was just the whole picture, right? Like you would, you're kind of putting the puzzle together, like the pieces of the puzzle together mm-hmm. and getting to see it. And like I was saying, you know, picture's worth a thousand words, a video is worth a million. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, sign up, <laughs> be a patron. Yeah, good. Dude, I, I love it. E- easy pitch for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm planning on trying to do a lot more stuff like that on Patreon, but that was kind of the kicking off thing. And then it, it just, it takes a while to figure out how to do all this stuff in a, in a decent way. Cause you're dealing with dogs and birds. It's a lot, but you know, it's also, it's, it, it's fun to try and do, but I, I've done a few sessions to where it's just like you, the video quality isn't even worth showing to somebody. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's a lot of variables in there. You said birds and dogs and myself so and cameras. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, so what was the other episode? I cut you off. I think you were going to give another one before, before I interrupted oh. you. No, no. I, like I said, I could, I could keep going, but, um, another one, I actually just listened to both his episodes he did with you was Josh flowers. Okay. So I think, I think the one episode was one twenty eight, and that was like part one on the force fetch. Yeah. And, and that was really good. That actually got me really excited for force fetch a year from now. So we'll get through puppy season in the winter and then dig into force fetch and steady to shot, hopefully. So, yeah, yeah, uh, perfect, man. That's uh, it's it's awesome, man. I, I always enjoy doing these profiles and getting valuable feedback like you just gave me what what helps you and and kind of the information and the resources that you people, that you people, that people like yourself use, uh, to, to learn all this because there's so much out there you know, it's just like I tell everybody, whether it's my podcast or somebody else's, it's just, nobody has the excuse anymore to say they don't have access to information. And there's so many great sources out there. And so, uh, you know, I'm glad that you find value in mine and, uh, I always enjoy, getting to talk to people like you and, and get to know your story because you obviously have some relatable learning curves yourself, as you alluded to, to where, you know, the DIY trainers can teach other people just as much. It might be teaching them what not to do, but it's still teaching them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got plenty of those stories. But <laughs> we we all do. another hour on that. Yeah, we all yeah, do, yeah. man. 
Well, dude, I'm I'm excited. You're gonna have to stay in touch. Let me know how the puppy development goes and what the first season looks like because a puppy's first real hunting season, it's it's always something to be cherished and uh, really kind of gets you fired up. And even looking forward to the spring, it's weird. You you know, we wait all year long to get to the fall, then we get in the fall with our dogs, and then we're kind of looking like, man, come springtime, we're gonna address this, and then you start looking forward to the training season. It's just it's just a never ending, you know, clock turn pretty much. Yeah, I can't say enough about just puppy walks, and there doesn't even need to be birds out there in that right. field. Um, just get out, enjoy building that bond, um, learn your dog, learn that change of behavior. Um, you can start working on some of those cues, you know, whether it's a verbal cue, a hand cue, a whistle cue, the e-collar cue of, you know, get them to turn a little bit, get them to whoa, get them to recall. Um and it's probably better if there's not birds because then they can actually focus instead of just having a one-track mind of chasing feathers. Exactly, man. I have nothing else to add on that. That's a great way to end it. I would I would piggyback on that all day long. It's just that's exactly right. So, Isaac, I appreciate Perfect. you taking the time on joining us today and telling us your story. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping up together. And I, I want to hear how the yeah. puppy develops. Sounds good. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.